Welcome to the Conscious Conversations podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Nick Paladino King. And I'm Nitin Gerg. We are transformational coaches and yogis from the San Francisco Bay Area. And this is a podcast for people looking to take their lives to the next level. Through these conversations, we aim to raise the consciousness of our lives, the lives of our listeners, and the wholeness. So get ready to join us on this great adventure of life by taking a moment to settle in, become fully present in this moment, and see where the journey takes you next. Welcome, everyone. Today, we are speaking with Stephanie James. She's a coach, speaker, author. She does massive life-changing events. She's written books, and her recent movie, When Sparks Ignite, is coming out soon, which is going to be a a real eye-opener. We speak with her about everything having to do with showing up for ourselves and why that matters, how it can truly ignite you from within and take you to your next level, both personally and professionally. Dive right in. All right. Welcome, everyone. This is uh, welcome to Conscious Conversations. This is Nitin Garg, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nick Paladino-King. And we're also honored to have uh, our guest join us here today, Stephanie James. who is a coach, a speaker, an author. She hosts life-changing events. She's written books. I mean, there's, I could probably keep talking about all the things that Stephanie does, but I, I would actually pass it to you, Stephanie. One of the statements I read on your website that really spoke to me personally was, I read about you know your personal purpose is to bring as much love and healing into the world and I was re- as I was reading that and I was reading your story, it, it just really hit me. And I would love actually for you to be a- actually be able to walk us through, you know, what your story is, get our, uh, you know, give our listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit. Uh, and what brought you to the point where you are today, where you're able to bring yourself in this capacity of, you know, being able to help the world lean into being a loving presence and a healing presence that you are? Oh, beautiful question. Thank you so much. I, I think that it's really important because oftentimes when we are people that have had a certain amount of success or we're thought leaders and we're putting a lot of content out as you all are, people can think we've had a really just very easy life or that it's, we don't face the same challenges so I think the the story really to share with you all and to share with your audience is how I got to where I am right now truly began. I did have, I was very blessed and fortunate to have 13 years of a golden childhood. And um, I was one of those kiddos who really close family, grandma and grandpa around, aunts, uncles, tons of cousins, Sunday dinner, totally involved parents. and. You know, I I had, I was definitely, I have to say, I was a daddy's girl. So I was one of these little girls that if my dad was out raking the lawn and, you know, raking up leaves, I'd be there helping him gather them. Or if he was working on his workbench, I would just be hammering nails in a board, you know, just to be near him. And I even, I have really fond memories of being a little girl, probably like six years old, sitting on his counter when he'd be shaving in the morning and he'd put shaving cream on my face. And then I'd shave with a little plastic toothbrush holder, you know, again, and, and I bring this up because 
it's so important because this really beautiful childhood that my brother and I shared, he for 10 years, me for 13 years, it was all completely shattered in one night, in one evening. And my brother and I were woken up in the middle of the night to the sound of screeching tires going out of the driveway. And we looked out of our little second story window to see my mother peeling down the driveway in our car and my father jumping on the hood of the car and beating on the windshield for her to get out. This was so amazingly traumatizing because we'd never even seen our parents fight. They never argued in front of us. You know, we had this really intact family. So unbeknownst to us at the time, uh, my father had waited till the kids had gone to sleep to tell my mother that he was in love with someone else and he was leaving her. And after wow. 18 years of marriage, um, my mom, you know, it, it completely in that moment that we're watching the scene unfold, we didn't realize it, but like this golden childhood that we shared was completely shattered and irreversibly broken. And so mom, you know, mom went into um, huge depression, anxiety, was emotionally unstable. I moved out with dad. And I need to tell this story, I think, to emphasize it was out of this journey that I actually learned how to become a more loving, healing presence in the world because I'd had all that wonderful love, nurturing, validation as a kiddo. But then when I moved with my father very shortly after that, I had a stepmother who said, that I was no longer allowed to have that relationship with my father. Mm -hmm. So from that point on, I couldn't be alone with my father. I couldn't speak to him alone. And to this day, I'm not allowed to speak to him alone on the phone. So what started happening was this kind wow. of shift in how I saw myself in the world, maybe saw my importance. And at 16 years old, I moved in with my mom only because my parents came over, my dad and stepmother, while I was staying with my mom for two weeks during summer vacation and said, hey, we're moving to Austin in three weeks. You need to decide if you're coming with us. And of course, I grew up in Fort Collins, Colorado with my little friends and I was about to be a junior in high school. So I stayed and my father quit speaking to me for a year at that point. And so that's where my journey into healing began. That year, I, I thought to myself, I must be a terrible person for my father to abandon me, I must not be lovable. And so for the next about 15 years, I went on this quest to where I was trying to earn love or trying to get it from outside of myself. If I just look good enough, if I just got good enough grades in school, I had the right car, I had the right relationship. And it wasn't until I was at a Sufi school in San Francisco in my early thirties that I walked through the door and meet Dr. Jaffe who shakes my hand and literally he's peering into my soul at this time. And you know, it was that uncomfortable handshake where I'm trying to get my hand away from his because he's, I really feel like he's looking so intently in my eyes. You and mean like the Sufi school, like the, the mystical- The mystical healing school of how we learn to be conduits, right? So yeah. we can really be You're conduits telling me there, love There's a mystical healing school right in our backyards and Nithin and I haven't been you there know, but, oh, You guys oh, don't man. know this. You guys oh, don't know this. We need this to be more perfect school. in our- I'm just kidding. <laughs> wow, okay. Well, so look up, we look up Dr. Jaffe. This, this <laughs> is, because this was, the, this was the moment that was the life changer. I'm in the class and he looks out into the audience halfway through his speech and he says, hey, you in the blue coat, I have a message for you. And I look around and I'm like, 
I looked down, I'm like, oh crap, I'm the one in the blue coat. And he says, my message for you is, and I can't hear him. And so I ask him to repeat it. He says it again, I still can't hear him. So really interestingly, people are starting to laugh. He says, my dear, you're having some resistance to hearing this message. What I want you to know is, and when he pauses again, all of the air conditioning units in the place come, come on and nobody can hear him. So then everyone's laughing. He's like, my dear, come on stage, come over here. And I kind of sat, sat beneath him on these stairs and he says, listen, this is the resistance. Your soul is having resistance to hearing this. What you need to hear, what you need to know is to stop trying. Stop trying. You've been trying your entire life to be perfect for your father. And now you're trying to be perfect for your husband. Mm -hmm. Stop trying. And it was this moment, you guys, of awareness where I was just like, oh my God, that's it. Like all these programs for happiness outside of me, you know, all the love, all the beauty, all the strength I was seeking were really inside of me. So that began this journey of how I learned how to befriend and love myself. And so that's what I'm trying to share now with the world through all my different mediums, whether it's my podcast, whether it's coaching, my films or my books, that's what I wanna help people to do, get on that journey. Wow, what a share, what a share. Thank you so much for that. Um, I mean, as I was going through your website, that the line that stuck out to me and you just said it pretty much was you, you thought you had to act perfect to earn love. And that yeah. conditional patterning of, we have to be a certain way or do a certain thing or look a certain or have the job in order to be enough. Um, and I mean, it just, I love, and I mean, I'm gonna say this in this condition, this, this container of consciousness that you had to have an experience that was so traumatic in order for you to have that understanding. And to see that that is perfection embodied for you to be able to sit here and go, I, I, all those things happened so that I could love myself regardless of the external world. Um, and I want to see that message in the world right there, right? You don't need to do anything. You don't need to prove anything. You don't need to be anything except for exactly who you are. And that's the perfect manifestation of you in this moment that the world is ready to receive. Can you talk about, um, the spark that you've, that you have in your, in your, your work of this internal spark? I was thinking the other day, and I just love the the synchronicity of, I believe every human being has a conscious spark inside them waiting to be awakened. And then I came to your stuff as I was looking before our pre-call and I was like, oh my God, you're talking about something very, very similar. So could, would you mind discussing or telling us about what, what this internal spark is that you refer to in, in your work? Yes. So spark is such a huge thing. And I always have to say when I started my radio show, that was given to me that name in a dream. So the spark igniting your best life. And then what I really got clear on is the spark is our essence. So it's that part of us that can, you know, the wind can't blow it out. Water can't wet it. It's always there. And what happens through life is we have these difficulties or these situations, beliefs, you know, negative beliefs that can cover it up. The Sufis would say it's covered with veils and we have to learn mm -hmm. how to lift the veils I think what I do is work with people on how do we excavate that spark that's it's already there. It's the most authentic, pure part of who you are. You know, it, it's the pure loving essence of each one of us. So that to me, that's the spark. And that's our work in the world, truly, 
It's like, how do we learn to be more in touch with that? Some people call it the divine spark. And it's being in alignment with that because when we're in alignment with that, all of the purpose, all of the passion, all that we are, the, the gifts that we truly have to share can come through. Hmm. Is there something that we've struggled with and some other things we've talked to about with our other, other guests? And I think a lot of our listeners are here where they, they may be frustrated of, let's say they have an idea of what their spark is or what their purpose is, but then to actually go out and live that and push and put that into the world mm -hmm. are two, can be two very different things. Do you have any insight or any kind of, you know, share on, on that process specifically? Totally. Because I think you're exactly right. It's not just that we have an idea and then we say, oh yeah. So yeah, I know my divine purpose and I'm going to flip a light switch and now I'm going to do that in the world. Mm -hmm. I think what it truly Nick begins with is learning how to first befriend ourselves. And that's how we're going to start getting in touch with that essence that is us. And part of that, I mean, because I think that we hear that a lot. That's really a thing we hear is, oh, just, you know, be your own best friend. Just love mm -hmm. yourself. And I know from 33 years in the personal development field, you know, it's not that easy. We don't just flip that switch. So we cultivate that relationship with us. And the way we do that is to start by showing up for yourself every single morning. And what I do and talk to my clients about is cultivating a practice where we're talking 20 to 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be really extensive. For example, my, my morning routine, I'll wake up and I'll do gratitudes. And then I do, a, when I'm in a hurry, 10 minute mm -hmm. meditation where I'm literally just focusing on all my energy centers, all my chakras and divine connection, connecting to the earth. And when I do that, I've got a set point for my day, but more importantly, I've built this muscle where I actually trust myself to be there for me. And I think that that's what people struggle with. It's like, we hear, oh, you know, allow yourself to be a priority in your own life. It doesn't mean that other people can't be priorities as well. Mm -hmm. It does mean that we take care of ourselves first in that way that then I've got that set point within me. And then I can start bringing my gifts out into the world. I can start cultivating this thing that says, oh, I've got my own back. Okay. Now I can show up more fully for you. You are yeah, speaking I, our language, Stephanie. This is <laughs> beautiful to hear. Thank you for sharing. Yes. Love it. And there's such an intersection there, you know, with when we start showing up for ourselves, it's almost like the, the life you desire or have been craving to create also starts to sort of assemble around you. You know, it's almost like a paradox. I feel like at times where when you have been denying, when we, you know, anyone has been denying ourselves what we truly need, maybe it's rest, maybe it's exercise, maybe it's quality time with family. Like when we keep putting the world around us ahead of ourselves, right? Um, and we keep saying no to ourselves, but we want life to say yes to us. Mm -hmm. Versus if you flip and you start saying yes to yourselves, it's funny how that happens, but it's like in taking better care of yourself, things start to change around you as well. And I don't know, Stephanie, if that's something, if that's how you would describe it, or you do, you would describe it a little differently. We'd love to hear from you since, you know, you're so focused on this dynamic of self-care leading to success. Yes. Thank you. I, th I think that's been my experience as well, that as we do this work, synchronicities show up. 
things start coming into our lives that we actually, and that's really important too, to point what, what Nick was saying is that we don't have to do something in order to manifest things in our lives. We do have to be though. And the first thing we have to be is be with ourselves, right. And commit to ourselves. So I, I love what, when you're, when you're talking about that, I do think one of the things that you said too, that really connected with me is, you know, how am I going to take care of myself? in this day. And I, I really do. I'm, I'm not a big person that has lots of, you know, formulaic things, but I do love this thing. That's the three C's and that's an easy way to remember it. And when you wake up in the morning, uh, awesome journaling exercise is to say, you know, the three C's are three questions. Number one, how do I take care of myself today? Because it's going to change every day. It's not going to be the same. Like you said, when I wake up in the morning today, it might be, yes, I do my gratitude and, and meditation. And then maybe I'm going to go, you know, hike today, or maybe today I need to make sure that I'm really taking care of myself nutritionally. Those are the things I want to focus on. So I want to come with fresh eyes, intentional eyes every day. Okay. How can I better, you know, best take care of myself. The next C is how can I connect today? We are interdependent beings. We need one another. And so it might be ways that I want to reach out and again, being in, intentional saying who could, who could really use me to show up today? You know, who is in my life that I could show up and really just say, Hey, I'm thinking about you. I'm reaching out. And I also need connection as well, even if I'm the one that instigates it. So maybe I, you know, write someone else and say, let's jump on a zoom call or even better. Let's meet and go for a cup of coffee or a walk, or mm -hmm. let's go dive in the river together. Okay, so how can we connect? And then the third one being, how can I be creative today? So that we're tapping into flow and creative literally can be as easy as taking a different way to work. So you're using different neurons in your brain, or it can be, okay, today I'm going to come up with a new playlist of the 10 songs that make me feel most alive or make me feel most calm or most in love. You might paint, you know, you can sing whatever that is, but how do I tap into flow? And again, those things as primers for your day, you are going to show up so amazingly for yourself. And then absolutely 100%. That has been my experience when I am in that place. I'm not trying to force something to happen and I'm not trying to control things when I'm open to that flow. Oh my gosh. I, I cannot tell you guys the number of serendipitous events and people and, you know, things that just really just come into my life. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's I mean, so throughout the, the series of conversations and, and interviews we've done, the one of the main threads I've noticed is the people we've interviewed, like you, Stephanie, are successful, both personally, professionally and, and spiritually. And then I'm going, okay, well, what's what's another thing that you've all shared and something that we shared? Every single person that's been on the show has talked about priming themselves to start their day of doing something, doesn't have to be meditation, but doing something to sit down and give themselves the best of themselves before they give it to the world and turn inward and ask questions. How do I care for myself? How do I connect? How do I create? How do I want to be? And I'm just going, wow, that's not coincidence anymore. That's showing the framework or a blueprint for a fulfilled life. It's turning inward first and asking the questions that you that you mentioned. And Nathan and I talk about all the time of priming ourselves, and it's so cliche, but putting the oxygen mask on first. And I'm, 
I'm always kind of shocked. I do, I do a good amount of leadership coaching and I'm working with people that are extremely successful in their professional lives, but there's something missing that tends to, and it could be different things, but it could be something missing. And I was on a private jet. This is not a brag. I was on a private jet with an executive a month ago and he's going, so what, like, what do you do? What's your thing? And I'm like, well, I, I teach people how to live a fulfilled life. And he goes, well, how do you do that? I go, well, it starts with self-care. And he laughs and he goes, I don't have time for that. And, I, and I'm just, and I'm going, wow, here's a man on a private jet who's telling himself the story that he doesn't have time for self-care, that he doesn't have time to put himself first. And it was, um, it was just from an observation place going, here's someone that has everything in the material world and is going, no, there's not time for me. I actually am not, what's more important is the business and the family. And I, and I would just, it was a beautiful moment of sitting with in the space of someone that had everything materially, um, but hadn't quite yet thought about how do they focus on themselves and they don't have to, I don't want to be clear on that too, but man, it was just a beautiful experience of it starts within and you said it, nothing's outside of ourself. Um, and that is the theme that I'm seeing throughout all of these conversations and all these beautiful people that are sitting in front of us, sharing their, their mission and their voice. Well, I'm it sounds like curious. you just got, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, it sounds like Nick, you just got evidence of that, you know, in the real world, you were able to see that and mm -hmm. not knowing if this guy is fulfilled or not fulfilled, but being able to reflect to you, wow, I don't want that in my life. I want to make sure I'm, I'm, when someone asks me that question, I'm like, yeah, this is the way I take care of myself. Mm -hmm. I'm almost yeah. curious, Nick, what, what came of that conversation? Um, I mean, what came of that conversation, I think is a, a stronger connection to the importance of self-care. Um, and to Stephanie's point, you don't have to do self-care. You don't have to be spiritual. You don't have to, you don't have to chase a life that has fulfillment in different ways. It's whatever you want to do, whatever that is. But for me, my takeaway was, wow, I've always thought that people with more money and more things tend to be happier. And I'm going, Hmm, maybe that's not the case. Maybe. Did you see, did you see evidence to the contrary? I mean, cause you know, you talked about how this person yeah. is materially really well off, like, you know, and they're saying, Hey, I don't have time for self-care. Kind of a con it's a, essentially a contradictory contradict in your conversation. Was there a disconnect with how, how fulfilled this person was in life, or maybe they were fulfilled and they just hadn't necessarily gotten to that point of that this was important for them. That, that what I witnessed was fulfillment wasn't on the table. And that's like, that's through my lens. That's through my lens, but right. that's what I witnessed. And it was, again, I'll use the word beautiful. It was a beautiful experience to sit there and say, wow, I'm on a private jet flying through space with no <laughs> shoes on. And, and we're still not happy. We still, this still isn't enough because it's outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And of course I'm going, play it cool, man. Play it cool. Play it cool. Play it cool. You know, <laughs> I was freaking out. I was, it was, it was amazing experience for on many different levels, but yeah, the, I come from the corporate world where I was miserable and unfulfilled and that's how I found myself. And there was many of things that 
were challenging, that created pain, that got me to where I am. And I am grateful for those things because they taught me to love myself no matter what. Um, and to Stephanie's yeah. word, to, to trust myself and have my own back. Um, can you talk more about that, Stephanie, that piece of learning to trust yourself and what that looks like and what that means? Yeah. So, you know, to, to extend the priming thing just a little bit further, because mm -hmm. I, I think one of the ways that we can do this is yes, first thing in the morning. And also I'm really into what I call bookends of our day. So that the last five to 10 minutes, you're winding down your day in the same way, because you're starting to go into theta brainwave state as you're getting ready to go to sleep, just like you are as you come out of sleep. So it's really important what we're putting in to our mind, into our bodies. So you don't want to be watching the news. You don't want to be scrolling through social media. It's like, I want to be intentional about how I'm setting up literally what I'm going to marinate on for the next seven, eight, nine hours. Mm -hmm. So I love the idea of having like a stationary object. You have it by your bed. I've got this great orange rock that I just love. A girlfriend gave it to me from the creek outside her home in Arkansas. I hold on to that. And then I think about what is the best thing that happened today? And again, it's really simplistic. And what it does though, it gives our brain a chance to recall something that was positive. And we have these brains that are, you know, have a nat natural negativity bias. So they're most likely, well, not just most likely, they do, they hold on to things that are negative so we can learn from them. We only have to touch the hot stove once. And we're like, yeah, probably won't do that again. Um, but things that are positive are like fried eggs on a Teflon pan and they slide right off. Mm. We don't usually file those away because we don't need them to survive. So by marinating just for a few moments on what was the best part of our day, we're telling our mind and our memory, hey, this is important, pay attention. And what's interesting is because of the ways our brain works, we're gonna, nat we're gonna naturally start to notice more of those types of events the next day. So we're training our brains on what to focus on instead of letting them just you know, go back to their natural hard wiring, which is just for survival. So that's essential, I think, in this whole thing you're talking about in befriending ourselves. If we can give ourselves those bookends and show up for ourselves, we are not only cultivating a relationship with ourselves, we're cultivating really this neuro wiring so that it's going to be easier to befriend ourselves. I mean, it gets easier and easier. It truly is building a muscle. Mm. And so when we do that, what, what's really beautiful is we can start leaning into and what I use, I seriously use one of those. I wish I had it with me to show you guys. I love to have that because as I show up for myself daily, instead of crossing the day off at the end of the day, I put a heart because I've shown up and actually loved myself and cared about myself that day. And there is nothing like looking through a calendar. You know, you look back at that page and you're like, whoa, you know, you see all these hearts. Yeah. And that's like, that's such an awesome feeling. Mm. And, and I do think we have to cultivate trust because it's just like when we decide, okay, I'm going to start showing up for myself. I liken it to, if you just met someone new, you wouldn't meet them the first day and hopefully, you know, uh, tell them everything about all your deepest, darkest secrets. And then say, Hey, by the way, will you pick up my two-year-old at daycare this afternoon? I mean, we just don't do that, right? We have to build trust. And the same thing is true for us. It's like each day then becomes evidence of like, wow, 
I am showing up for myself. And we know it takes 21 to 30 days for something to become a habit. So if you even just commit to yourself, like, okay, for the next 21 days, I'm going to do this. I'm going to show up for myself in the mornings. I know I only have 15 minutes, but I'm going to do this. Watch and see how things start to change for you. I promise you they, they truly will because you are exercising that muscle that says, I matter. I validate myself. Mm -hmm. And then like, like you guys both have said, it's like when we start having and internalizing that belief system, we start seeing evidence of it in our outer life as well. That's wow. so amazing. Yeah. Cause you know, so many of the times like throughout the day, if we're, if we're not aware of that, sometimes those negative beliefs just flowing around in our thoughts, right. It's almost like throughout the day you're invalidating yourself, but here you're trying to catch yourself intentionally to at least start with a morning, perhaps then start to work in an evening before bed, start to validate yourself, start to acknowledge the fact that you are worthy. You know, you, you are full of love and you can set an intention as well. You, you use the word intentionality. Uh, and then, you know, I notice how that then quickly can also transition into like throughout the day, you know, you you'll see yogis talk about that. Sure. We sit down and we meditate and that's the focus time. And, you're observing your thoughts, but it doesn't have to end there by any means. You, you can, you know, observe your thoughts throughout the day and you bring and continue to then bring that intentionality, that validation for yourself. So if you catch yourself, you know, and your brain's going, man, that, that presentation was terrible or like that conversation I just had, you know, why didn't I do X, Y, and Z? It's just like give catching that, giving yourself a break. And then again, you know, sure to learn whatever we need to learn from that experience, but how can we reinforce of great? I'll take that. Here's how I'll improve it and go forward. There's also like a, such a deep connection there with neuroscience. You know, I keep learning more and more about this. In fact, I was, um, you know, recently just reading around even the essence of how to help yourself improve certain behaviors. So say like, I got frustrated at my child for something, you know, and normally it would be like, the child would keep doing the same behavior. You would keep getting frustrated and the cycle just keeps repeating itself until you catch yourself. And this is the neuroscience sort of patterning behavior that, that I was learning about recently, a couple of months ago and really changed my life, which was, right, once that behavior in that situation is over, sitting yourself down. And this can apply to work just as much as it applies to, you know, a, a child situation, sitting yourself down and saying, okay, what happened there? What, what did my child do? What specifically triggered me? And I reacted in this way, you know, was that, did that serve, did that create a better situation or did it, did it make it worse? And if it didn't make it better, all right, well, how, if the same situation occurs again, and I know from evidence that they have show, shown themselves to occur over and over, how will I choose to act differently? And even if you fail to act differently next time, but what you're doing with that reflection and that uh, creating that new pattern in your brain, at least helping your brain recognize it, that a different possibility exists. You slowly start to form that new groove. And I was just found this fascinating when I was reading about this in neuroscience and you're talking about the same thing, which is when we're validating ourselves when we're reinforcing the positive moments and perhaps reflecting on something that didn't go so well and how we would want that to be better. 
we're essentially forming new nerve pathways in our brain at the same time too. Mm -hmm. It's very scientific, not just, you know, a bunch of yogis and spiritual people talking about hoopla, but it's actually very scientifically embedded in the way our brains function. So it's just been fascinating. Nathan, I love that because there's this, this great pattern interrupt that you're doing just by catching your behavior. So you're being conscious, you're having awareness, like, mm, that didn't feel good. This isn't going anywhere. Behavior's not changing. I'm getting more frustrated. Just that awareness. So awareness is the key to change, right? Mm -hmm. If you're just unconsciously doing the same thing over and over again and getting the same results, it's not going to change, right? It's so, so I, I love that. I think that's beautiful to sit down and have this conversation with yourself. You know, what could go, di what, what can I do a little bit differently? You know, and so then you're more conscious of it the next time you're in that pattern, right? When you, you, yep. you have some awareness. I also really love the practice of if you can start to see the limiting beliefs that you have, if you're aware, like I love to take people through this process where they're looking at whether it's, it could be spiritual, it could be career, it could be self-concept, relationships, social, whatever that is. And then you know, wealth for sure. What, what are my limiting beliefs? So if my, if I have a limiting belief that all rich people are crooks, because maybe that's what my dad told me when I was a little kid, then I'm going to have a hard time being in abundance and wealth because I have that belief. So the, the first thing is identifying what our limiting beliefs are. And then, and this really goes with what, what you're saying, Nathan, because it's not just about having affirmations and saying, you know, now I'm really good with money or whatever. I think some of the most powerful affirmations we can have is that we actually also affirm underneath that we have two action steps, at least two or three action steps. So for example, if, if my new affirmation is I'm healthy and fit, then, or I'm moving towards health and fitness, then my action step is going to be, I work out every day for, or, you know, five days a week for 30 to 45 minutes. Number two, I eat nutritious food at every meal. Now, this is interesting because as we start to repeat these things and you feel it and you picture it as you say it, say these are part of your morning affirmations, what happens is something called, you know, again, 21 to 30 days as you repeat these new sets of you know, affirmations, action steps, then we have cognitive dissonance, which is that uncomfortable feeling. If I've been saying to myself for 30 days, I make nutritious mm -hmm. food choices and I'm moving towards health and fitness. I have started to see myself as that person. So I'm going to get the uh, uncomfortable feeling when I reach for that Twinkie and it's going to cause me to pause. No longer is it an unconscious behavior. It becomes very conscious. And just that pause is enough to make us stop because then we realize we have a choice. Mm -hmm. So I think that can all be really powerful when you're talking about behavior change. Um, I think the other thing too, is when you were talking about, you know, our brain really, we have this reticular activating system, which is a part of our brain that notices things. So it's the part of us that when we get a new car, we're like, I'm the only one that has this orange Nissan. I love this orange Nissan. This is my life. Um, mm -hmm. and then pretty soon we start seeing it show up all over the road. And it's like, oh, okay. Now that I'm in this experience, I notice it. So I'm going to notice it more outside of myself. And so it's the same thing. I remember when my 33 year old daughter was pregnant, she's like, mom, everybody's pregnant. 
And mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm pretty sure everyone's not pregnant, yeah. but that's what she would notice the abundance of, you know, abundance of pregnant women around her. Okay. So what we're attuned to, it's that principle in physics, what we focus on expands. Mm-hmm. So what we want to be focusing on is again, it's that thing we were just speaking of before I go to bed, what do I want to be focused on. If I want to notice more of that, you know, and, and to go with Nathan's example, if I did that inventory and I was really conscious about how I was showing up with my son and I said, you know, I want to really commend myself for taking the time and really thinking about that response. And I'm really going to do it differently this next time. And you kind of maybe imagine how you're going to do it differently. You've just set yourself up by spending that time on it, revisiting it again. It's like you are priming your reticular activating system to start noticing that more and more. And you are more Mm -hmm. apt to show up and have that pause and do it differently next time. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is beautiful. We're blending what Sufis and yogis have known for millennia and now being proved in modern day science. Yogis are talking about creating new, new grooves in the mind. And neuroscience is saying new pathways. So we're laying down, but what I think is so important here too is as, as you're saying, Stephanie, you know, whatever you focus on expands. Well, then remember that works in both directions. Momentum doesn't care if you go negative or positive. It goes, oh, Stephanie wants to focus on negative. Well, then we're going to focus on negative and then create a deeper groove, a deeper pathway. The moment that Stephanie goes, you know what? I'm going to now focus on a positive direction. Now that's going to take work to shift momentum, but starting to create that new groove. And, And the hit I was getting, you said something around, we need to look at the negative to survive. The hit I got was, well, then in order to thrive, we focus on the positive. Love that. Love that. Exactly. You know, we, we have a natural negativity bias already mm-hmm. in our brain. You know, it literally is trying to help perpetuate the species. It's trying to keep us safe. It's very primitive hardwiring. What's so beautiful is exactly what you're saying. Through our attention and intention, what we mm-hmm. can start doing is carving those neural pathways and those new grooves that say, no, I'm going to thrive. And these are the things when I focus on this, I mean, we could just right now people, you know, in the audience could bring to mind this moment, one of their favorite memories, something that really lights them up. And just by holding that in awareness, it's going to start releasing dopamine. We're going to start feeling good as if it's happening right now. And so as we focus on those things, And again, it's not about living in a world with rose colored glasses, or I only think about the positive, you know, I I think sometimes people think, oh, well, it's, you know, I I, I can't just float on the cloud. I have to deal with the real world. Well, what's awesome is we can influence the real world with our attention and with our intentions and how we experience what's happening around us. Yeah. This, this world we live in is malleable. We can shift, shape it and shift it to whatever we want. So Um, Stephanie, I'm just going to repeat to the audience what you just said. So what Stephanie was referring to is that you can step back into the past and remember or recall an emotion or feeling of something positive that happened to you. Now, the same thing works for negative, but think back to a time when you won an event or you graduated college or or you were married. You can take that feeling into this present moment. And then now in your physical body and your emotions and your hormones, you can experience that win in this present moment. What you can also do then next is take that experience in this present moment 
and use it to propel you into the future you desire. So now you're using past and future to manifest your reality in this present moment through your body, your mind, your emotions, everything you have access to. The more you focus on this, the easier it gets. We can all talk about this in a very casual way because we've been practicing it for decades. It is not that hard. We do it all the time. We're just not aware of it. Listening to what Stephanie's saying of bringing awareness to what you're doing is the start of transformation. Pay attention to it. Wow, I just went to a negative thought. I feel negative in this moment. Okay, now shift. Use the positive thought. Is there anything you want to add to that, Stephanie? But this is where we're really starting to use these techniques and frameworks to manifest reality in the way that we want it to be. Yes, I love this. Nick, you know, one of the things I think that's important for listeners to get to is that it's not that if I'm in a place of despair, it's not that I have to jump all the way up. Like we could look at this, like there's this hierarchy of emotions mm-hmm. and emotional states. It doesn't mean that I have to pull myself up and now I'm vibrating at gratitude or you know some of the higher states of being. Just to even go from despair to anger, mm-hmm. that's actually, interestingly, a positive jump. And then from anger, we can start moving into, oh, actually I'm feeling calm. Okay, now from calm, I can start having these senses of, oh, wow, there's actually a sense maybe of joy that's starting to, to come in. Mm-hmm. And I start cultivating that so that we, you know, it's, it's, I love the thought of, I just want to move up that scale, mm-hmm. just to move up a little bit, because sometimes that feels like such a quantum leap for people. And so to know you have the power just to do that exactly, Nick, what you were saying, like we can start focusing on what feels good to us in this moment. I love, and and we know that when we write things down, our brain really responds to them even more strongly so that, you know, I invite people to write down, like look back through your past. A great journaling exercise is look back through your past and write down all of your goalposts or your guideposts through your life, like those important markers where something happened, where you showed up as your best self, or you showed up and something wonderful happened. We all have those moments. You know, it's easy for us to look back and think of the times that were hard. How often do we think back? I'll give my own example (laughs) to sixth grade. I won the science fair in sixth grade and I was so ecstatic somewhere in the closet, I still have that little trophy, you know, just because that was such a huge moment for me. And we forget those, you know, it's like, oh, sixth Mm -hmm. grade, that didn't matter. But that was a time where I went from, oh, I'm just this little tomboy, you know, I love to play sports, I love to be in the mountains, but I'm actually smart. I actually, I'm smart too. And that was a huge moment for me. So I think those kind of things, and that we have many, many, many of those, to, so to start looking at what were the, the goalposts or what were the guideposts in your life that can help us get this new framework. And like you're saying, from that point, we can really start propelling it into the future because we can see I have all the grit. I have all the resiliency. I actually do have strength and know-how. Mm-hmm. I know how to solve problems. I know how to show up. Even people that I've worked with that have a lot of, let's say social anxiety or just anxiety in general can think back to a time they actually showed up and they were confident and we can build it from there. 
I, I find it's like, it's like wild, wildfire. If I do these techniques, if I start to write down one thing I'm grateful for, I, it's like Pringles. Like I can't, once I pop, I can't stop. Like it is just, <laughs> and I'm the same thing here. Once we look back at our wins, you go, wow, my life shows I have a track record of success when we focus on it. I, I, that's a great technique. Try it. I, I can never come up with one. It becomes 10 or 20 or a hundred very quickly, very quickly. So yeah, nothing you have a piece here to, to look like you're chomping at the bit. No, I was just enjoying the conversation because there's, you know, there's, there's something about when you start focusing on these moments that just brings out that positive energy. And I was just thinking to myself of like, oh yeah, there, here's another way to like really reinforce, you know, a sort of create that positive momentum in life. And one thing I remember reading uh, about you, Stephanie, where you like to focus is there's a concept of helping people becoming fierce. And I'm curious um, how the conversation we've had so far goes into that concept. Cause it, it seems like that's probably my, the hint I'm getting is that's where you're helping people show up. Okay. Now, how do I show up in the world from this knowing sense of knowing and the kind of life I want to create? Can you talk a little bit about that? What, what that means that becoming fierce yeah, in this changing sure. world? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's, and that's why the, the name of my book is my new book is becoming fierce because that's what I want to help share with people that it's, it is possible. And fierce does not mean aggressive. Mm -hmm. Fierce means living your purposeful, passionate life. I mean, one of, one of the words that goes with fierce is fiery. So when we're in touch with our essence, it's that fiery part of us that is so alive. And part of how we do that is that we find our voice. Yes. I mean, in there, I talk about exactly this, doing these bookends to your day. How do you show up for yourself? How do you befriend yourself? And also how do you purge what doesn't serve you? So whether it's limiting beliefs, whether it is behaviors or whether it's actually a relationship that no longer serves you, that we don't have to stay in toxic relationships. We don't have to stay in those energy draining relationships because right now the world does need us to show up as that fierce version of ourselves. And, and by that, it's like where we do, we have a voice, we feel empowered. It's not power over anyone. One of my chapters is healing your relationship with power because that's what it's about. How do I, you know, and it could be I-N dash powered. It's mm -hmm. how do I look at the power within? And that power really is about how do we serve one another? How do we help each other out? How do we help through igniting our own light within us? other people, we, we really do help give other people permission to then ignite theirs. So as I share my voice or my love or healing in the most positive way I possibly can, I'm helping other people, you know, hopefully by modeling that learn, I can do that too. I, I just got out of a session with a woman where I was saying to her, you know, you're not special and you're totally special. And mm -hmm. the thing that is the exact same thing for me. I'm not special at all. And I'm also totally special, each one of us. The not special part is that we all share so much of the same hardwiring. We truly are, we've all hurt. We've all been scared. You know, we've all had experiences where our heart were, you know, they, they were broken. And yet we've also all had extreme experiences of joy and love and connection. And so how do we help to make those grow? 
I loved Marty Seligman, who was the president of the American Psychiatric Association in 1999, changed how we looked at psychology. And so instead of focusing on what are the symptoms that create anxiety, he created positive psychology or like, you know, what are the symptoms that create depression? He created positive psychology where we're looking at, you know, what makes a person or a community, you know, thrive. We have to look at what cultivates courage, resiliency, you know, a sense of flow. I mean, those are the things we want to focus on. So I feel like, you know, becoming fierce, truly, it's literally becoming more authentically who we are. Mm -hmm. That's the best gift that we can give this world. And in that we find out it doesn't always have to be like some big purpose. Like I'm going to go out and change the world. Maybe your purpose is to be the kindest, most wonderful florist in your town. Or maybe it's you make coffees with so much intention as a barista that it's like you're giving this little cup of love every time you serve it. That to me, that's the essential piece of showing up fierce. It's like, I am in connection. I'm in alignment with my authentic self for me with the divine and however people experience that again, nature, universe, whatever. And then I am letting that light shine through in actions, deeds, and, and whatever else I'm, I'm putting out into the world. Yeah. And, and, you know, frankly, both for yourself and, and then the community and, you know, work around you. So, um, thank you so much, Stephanie, this was such an amazing conversation with you. And, uh, I know Mar I'm already filled with so much positive energy as, as I usually am after all these podcasts, but I think we got so many amazing practical nuggets in this mm -hmm. very conversation that I think folks can actually go and start applying. I mean, it's hard to say any one thing, but there was just so much around whether it's priming ourselves daily, morning and evening, you know, walking into the world with intentionality and the way we want to show up, discarding some of our limiting beliefs, being able to reflect upon ourselves. Um, any other takeaways from, from either of you, Nick or, or Stephanie? as we wrap up here. The, la the last thing just to add on what Stephanie was saying is I'm getting this hit that it's it changing the world, changing ourselves isn't necessarily a big deal. It It is and it isn't. Mm -hmm. I was really getting the hit that it's about our micro interactions with ourselves and with the world. When I'm When we're doing this conversation, are we fully here? Are we showing up completely? And then, okay, we move on when we're, when we're creating, when we're making breakfast for our family, are we only doing that? And are we doing that with our purpose and passion? If so, then those little things add up into major things and not having to go from depressed to enlightened. There is a whole gamut in between of little steps that we can take daily to make ourselves and our worlds more on fire. Um, and that's really what I'm getting from Stephanie, as you were talking there about all these little actions that add up to a beautiful life and a beautiful world. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I would only add that, you know, I, I feel like in my film, when sparks ignite, that is the essential message is that even at the most microcosm level, you know, or microscopic level, your healing matters because as we do that healing, as we take care of ourselves and we can become the clearer conduit for whatever our gifts are for more love and healing, to come through the world. And I really believe that, you know, it is, it doesn't have to be, but oftentimes it is the difficulties and challenges that we face that then become that match point.
that ignites something within us that then does become our gift to the world. So it's essential that we do our work. So that would be my, my yeah. big, you know, message would be your healing matters. Mm. I think we just found the title of, of the episode. <laughs> um, your healing matters. Yeah. Well, amazing. Uh, Stephanie, we'll put in the notes of how to get in contact with you. Is there anything you'd like to share with our listeners about something big you have coming up or something you'd like them to, to check out? Absolutely. I'd love them to go to my website at stephaniejames.world. They can see the trailer to my film there. They can see what times it's going to be on the More You channel on the Plex network. Um, my books are there and upcoming events. I have an event coming up October 22nd, people can register for my free gifts are there and they can contact me if they just want to jump on a breakthrough session. I do a complimentary 20 minute breakthrough session. Just I, that that's really my gig. I truly want to put out and help as many people as possible and bring that love and healing to the world in whatever ways I can. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Stephanie. It was, it was great speaking with you today and, uh, uh, you know, hoping our, <clears throat> our listeners will really find this conversation uh, effective and, and helpful for them as they unlock, you know, the next chapter in their life. So thank you for sharing your time with us today and, and sharing all your wisdom. Thank you, both of you. This has been such a joy. Thank you so much. Likewise. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening in. If you want any more information about our guests today, uh, about any of the sessions or, or offerings that were presented, uh, as well as about myself, Nitin, or Nick here, you can find all the links to our websites and how to get in touch with us through the episode notes. And as always, don't forget, if you like what you heard, share it with friends and family, spread the love, spread the collective consciousness, and help us raise the consciousness as a whole.